You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjax.com. As I told you last week, we're talking about giving. We're in the middle of the giving, the middle. We're halfway done. We had one last week, and we're going to have one this week. So that's the good news. We said that we we're going to give you these pledge cards on the back, giving things. Don't read them now. I'm going to walk you through them at the end, just kind of what to do. But remember, I said these are for your benefit, for your encouragement, for your understanding of what we believe as a church when it comes to giving. It's not a pressure card. It's not like to make you feel guilty or shameful. Ooh, I got something sticking on my butt that's going to make me give. That's not our goal. Our goal is to equip you. Our goal is to bring you into freedom, give you opportunity to find freedom in this area. And that's when we teach on giving, we teach about it being worship. We, te- we teach about it bringing life. We teach about the freedom that happens in it. This is just a tool to hopefully help you find more freedom in this area. And just at the end, I'll walk you through that. We'll have a time at the very end of this talk um, where you're going to have an opportunity to pledge, make a pledge this year uh, and give to God. And again, I want to emphasize that our desire is not to shame you, not to make you feel guilty, but instead, give space for the Spirit to come, speak to your heart, and lead you into freedom so that you can find more life. Man, and money is one of the things, right, that creates so much stress in our life, so much worry in our life, so much anxiety in our life. And we believe the life, I just had more, then everything would be okay. But that's just not true. That's just not true. I want to tell you two stories of people that I met with in the last week, one of which had nothing and someone who had more than they knew what to do with, both of which, because of their experience of God, realized that it's only after an experience of God that we find value, we find worth, and out of that value and worth that we're able to give in a way that leads to freedom. One, uh, the first person I met, um, actually was a member of our church at one point when we were at City Rescue Mission. I was at the rethreaded um, get together this past week. It was amazing to hear and see what that ministry is doing, the lives of women who are caught in the sex trade and trafficking and prostitution, a number of things that are happening in our community and what they're doing to rescue these women, bring them into freedom, bring them into life. And uh, the testimony of one of the women uh, that was there, uh, who, uh, she'd grown up in a very middle-class environment, had been given everything, and um, because of addiction, had fallen into a lifestyle that was very painful and very um, broken, and it led to her um, doing things that compromised her integrity, her self-worth, and her value in her own mind, um, living on the street and uh, just living in a very, very dark and sad situation. And she was telling, she's telling her story, she's telling this testimony, I'm listening there and saying, this is incredible that a that anyone would share this uh, that anyone would sacrifice for me to hear this to be blessed by this and then she goes on and says that she got to the point in her life where she felt like she was so worthless had no value that she didn't care whether she lived or died tried to commit suicide three different times the third time almost succeeded landed her in a recovery center uh, at which place she started going to church the city rescue mission and through church, she experienced Jesus. She experienced not the Jesus of, histor- of history, not the Jesus of the Bible, but a Jesus that came and reminded her that you are my treasure. And in prayer ministry, as she was receiving prayer, in one of the services there, she said, I felt like God said to me, you are so valuable to me. 
you are precious to me. It reminded me of the story that I've taught on, the, the, you know, the pearl of great price, the treasure that's found in the field. That, to- that story is often taught at giving talks, and you're told that, you know, if you go and you experience God like that, then you better go sell everything and give it so that you can have the treasure. Unless you sell everything, you're falling short. But I think this woman reminded me that actually I am the treasure in the field and that God has sold everything so that he could have me. That he gave Jesus his son so that he could have me. And it's only out of this understanding that I will ever be able to give in a way without strings attached, that I'll ever be able to give in a way that's worshipful, that I'll ever be able to give in a way that brings life and love into my life, I'll ever be able to give in a way that's truly worshipful. worshipful. That's one of the stories that this woman reminded me of. So powerful, so great, grateful, and so thankful for her. And then a few days later, I was sitting with someone um, who has more than they know what to do with. And um, what I mean by that is that they were telling me of a plan that they have to put all their money in an account and live off the interest because they just want to make sure they don't just give it all away. They're afraid of giving it all away. I'm like, what do you mean you're afraid of giving it all away? That doesn't sound very wise. And he went on to say, tell me about this encounter he had with the Holy Spirit. For two weeks straight, he said he didn't ask. He was driving in a car on his way to a football game, and all of a sudden he had to pull over because he couldn't see. And I said, what do you mean you couldn't see? He goes, I, I can't explain it. It was like I was drunk all of a sudden. I couldn't function. I had to pull over. I was so scared I went to the hospital because I thought I was having a, uh, like a stroke. I said, well, what happened? Because they did test on me, and they said I was fine. And they said, from that point on, he goes, I started telling people, you're experiencing the Holy Spirit. You're experiencing the Holy Spirit. And he said he would go to bed at night, and this euphoric state of the Spirit so heavily being poured out on him that he was afraid, he was terrified that he would wake up the next morning, and it would be gone, right? I mean, he's telling me this. I'm like, I want some of this goodness. You know I mean? I mean, you, you hear stories about this. Anyway, he said he didn't invite, whatever. He's just receiving this. And he said he would wake up in the morning, he'd open his eyes, and he would say, are you there? And then immediately the presence of God would come back on him. For two weeks, this lasted. Two weeks. And his response to this was, he lost 20 pounds because he couldn't, he didn't feel like eating. He said, food literally lost its taste. I had no desire for sex, no desire for drink, no desire for anything in the world because of the presence and the experience of God's love for me that I was feeling. And he said, as a result of this, he said, I wanted to just give everything away. I wanted to give all my money away. I wanted to be done with it. I wanted to get rid of it because of my desire to just be with God. I couldn't spend enough time in his word. I was, he was telling me this. I'm like, for real? I, I thought he was on drugs at first. I thought maybe he was manic. I didn't know. I'd never heard or seen anything like this, right? And I was just meeting with him, talking to him about this. This was a few days ago. And it reminded me of the truth and the reality of, of, of this Zacchaeus story. I love Zacchaeus. There's so many points in that story, right? Of Zacchaeus, right? What happens to Zacchaeus? The same thing. His heart is hard. He hears about Jesus. He climbs a tree. Jesus walks by. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to be with you. I want you to experience my love. I want you to experience relationship with me. Then what does Zacchaeus do? What's his response to Jesus' love? I want to give back. I want to pay back. If I've cheated four times, which is unheard of, not double, four times what I've taken. The response to experiencing God in our life 
is extravagance. It's an overwhelming sense of not duty, but love. Not obedience, but of wanting to give away because so much has been given to us. These stories reminded me, this is why River City Church exists. Because we believe in the power of the encounter of God's love. We believe that as we encounter God's love, the Father's love, we encounter his presence in our life, we encounter his love in our life, we realize how valuable we are, that we are the treasure that he has given everything for. And then out of that, we willingly give our lives to other people so that they can find and know the treasure of Jesus Christ. Giving ourselves away only comes as a response to realizing and experiencing all that has been given to us. Does that make sense? Is that how, I mean, if we believe that, we live like that, you'd be begging me to preach on money every week. You would be, because we'd be growing and thriving, experiencing this life that comes and finding freedom in this area that enslaves us. Having said that, I also need to tell you what Paul says about this journey that we're on. It's not only about experiencing God and, oh, then we'll just kind of feel like giving it all away. Because that's not how it is for me. For me, it is I experience God's love, I experience his grace, and I kind of give it all away and hold a little bit here for something for me. Right? And so it's, it's, I wish it was like the second guy. I really do. But if I'm honest, it's more like Paul describes in Philippians, where he talks about our life with Christ being a journey. Our life with Christ being requiring discipline. Our life with, with Christ requiring effort. Our life with Christ being something we have to fight for. Something that we have to sacrifice for. Something that we will suffer for. That our life with Christ is not all bells and whistles, gummy bears and unicorns. That our life with Christ will take work. But Paul got to the point, in the midst of this suffering and sacrifice and determination to keep his eyes fixed on Jesus, that everything was a loss comparing to Jesus. He says this in Philippians 3. Indeed, I count everything as as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing, there's the love relationship, the love he's experienced, of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake... I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness, is that word righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. The beginning of the year, one of the things we felt like, the leadership felt like, I felt like God spoke to me was this year at River City Church, we will learn what it means To what? Hunger and thirst for righteousness. We will learn what it means to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to pursue a life that doesn't look like the world's, that looks more and more and more like Jesus Christ. And Paul's talking about this. I don't want to have a righteousness. It's about me. I want my righteousness from God that depends on faith. What does that look like? He goes on in verse 10. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. So what does it look like? What does righteousness, becoming righteous look like? It looks like 
knowing him. It looks like our life being filled with power that brings life, not only to ourselves but other people. What does it look like? It looks like suffering. We will suffer for this. We will have to give things away. We have to give things up. We will have to, we will have relationships. Jesus tells us that will be broken as a result of our faithfulness to Jesus. We will suffer in different ways, becoming like him in his death. We will die to ourself and we will rise. And that's what he says in the last piece. And by any means possible, I may retain, I attain the resurrection from the dead. That I, may li- that I would rise with Christ. In baptism, that's what we celebrate. We'd die to ourselves and we'd rise with Christ. That is the journey of becoming righteous. And he says this, I love this about Paul. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I am perfect at all, because I'm not. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. I press on, I push forward, I move into this. I'm intentional about making this happen because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Why do I do this? Because I belong to Jesus. It goes back to his encounter and his love relationship that he has with Jesus Christ. That is the fuel for all of this. I do this because Christ has made himself known to me. Made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so when we talk about becoming righteous, specifically in the area of giving, what's Paul telling us? It's a journey that we're all on. It's not a destination. It's a journey that we're all on. But in this journey, what will it require? It will require discipline. It will mean that we will suffer. It will mean that we will make sacrifices. We will die to the things that we love in this world, the things of our flesh, and come alive and be resurrected with Christ. Without death, there cannot be resurrection. And Paul says, without death, there cannot be resurrection in any part of our life. If we want freedom and life in this area of giving, If we want freedom from money in our life, then we have to learn to die to the things in our flesh that need money to survive. And again, this is a journey that we're all on. Each of us, individually, being led by the Spirit, being empowered by the Spirit, coming from knowing Jesus, like Paul says, with the hope that as we strive and commit and pursue and strain forward, in this race that we're called into, that we will have victory in Christ. See, a lot of people say, oh, but Antley, that doesn't sound a lot like grace. I like River City Church because of the love and the grace factor. Well, the opposite of grace is not effort. Effort, sacrifice, and suffering is all a part of the grace that Christ received from his Father and poured out to us. What if Jesus... When it got hard, just would have stopped. What if Jesus, when it required him to suffer, would have stopped? What if Jesus, when it required him to sacrifice, would have stopped? That Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who's gone before us, conquered the cross, the joy that was set before him, calls us to the same race, right? Since we are surrounded in Hebrews, it says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw out the sin, the world, everything that entangles us, so that we would run the race that's been marked out for us, By Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, 
and now sits at the right hand being rewarded the Father, the right hand of the Father. So when we talk about giving, it's a journey that we're all on together. But it will require effort, discipline, suffering, and sacrifice. There's a story in Matthew that Jesus warns us about this journey of righteousness we're on when it comes to giving. Dang it, man. I don't even have time for the story. Just go to it real quick. I'm just going to read the scripture. Jesus says this to some of his Jewish fellows. In a sermon, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So here's a mini point I'm not going to get to because I don't have time. There's a reward that's involved here, folks. There's a reward on earth now, and there's a reward in heaven for when we pursue righteousness, when we sacrifice, when we suffer, when we give. There's something we receive, and it is a reward. It is life now, and it is life eternal. There's freedom now and blessing now, and there's freedom and blessing eternally. Okay? It's a very real reward. Then he says like this. He says like this. That's not even a sentence. I don't know what kind of grammar it is. It's like second grade, probably. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing so that you, your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So in a nutshell, this is what's going on. Jesus says, there's this reward, okay? Giving is about giving, You giving yourself, you giving your heart, you worshiping, it's other focused. And Jesus is saying this, if you give in a way that other people praise you, other people reward you, other people take notice, other people know about, guess what? You can have your reward because you just got it. And that's it. People will praise you, people will love you, people will like you, and you'll get what you're after but you won't get the reward that my father has for you, which is freedom in this area. You won't get the reward that my father would love for you to have in heaven because you will have received a reward. See, back then in ancient Near East times, the taxes covered the needs of the poor, but there was generous giving beyond that. And what would happen is people who would have lots of money, they would literally grow up and maybe blow trumpets in the street. I'm giving a shekel to this poor man. And everyone would see, and everyone would praise them, and everyone would glorify them. Everyone would worship what they're doing. And Jesus says, and yes, that will be your reward, but that will be your only reward. Versus giving the way that Jesus tells us, which is from our heart, in a way that is sacrificial, in a way that is loving, in a way that is other-focused, in a way that is secret, so secret that your left hand won't let your right know what it's doing. So not only... This is what this means. Not only that other people wouldn't see you give and reward you, but you yourself would not even pride yourself or kind of pat yourself on the back because of the way that you're giving, because it's all grace. That's the way that Jesus tells us we should give. That our right hand and our left hand, which work together all the time, don't know what's happening. That we don't even realize the goodness the love and the blessing and the life that we're giving people. Lord, I don't want to see it. I don't want to know. I want you to be glorified. Anything good that I do is from you. 
Everything good that I do, everything that I give is a gift from you. I'm only a steward of everything that belongs to you. So if I'm able to give it away, it's because of you. And then Jesus kind of, he tells us and shows us that when we give this way in a way that is out of worship, of our experience and love of God, for God, for God to be glorified, that we draw people to God, that we ourselves experience his righteousness more, we ourselves are rewarded. It has nothing to do with the amount, it has to do with our heart. And the way I just love the picture, the imagery of, of this is that in your private space, as you're wrestling through this, on this journey of becoming righteous, you're wrestling in your heart. And no one else sees it, maybe not even your spouse. And there's something you really want or something you have that you really don't want to give away, a desire, something, a, a, way that, a spending pattern in your life. The way that you, you treat your kids at Christmas and, and value them with gifts or whatever you do. We all have our different things in our life that we love to spend on, we love to give to. And God, he sees right into our heart. He sees our heart and he, he loves our struggle and he loves our suffering for his sake and he, because it's worship. He sees that. Oh, and it brings him so much joy and life and encouragement and blessing. He sees that. And when we give it, when we actually give it, he rewards us. He rewards us with blessings in this life. He rewards us with freedom in this life from money. He rewards us from anxiousness, from unrest, from chaos, from stress, from anxiety that comes from money. He rewards us. And he also rewards us in heaven. And each of us on this journey of righteousness fail again and again and again and again. And when he sees that, he moves towards us and he loves us, but he will not give us freedom. We will not receive freedom when there are still things tied to our heart that we are worshiping beyond or beyond him. And so we live in this tension, don't we, of being on this journey of, of a father who loves us, who wants us to experience freedom, but, but realizes that it's only until we give that the freedom comes. You know, I've talked to people that are like me, you know, whatever. It can be any area of our life. The struggle and the suffering is not, and the sacrificing is not enough unless it ends in a result that is pleasing to the Lord. I really struggled with this decision, Antley. I really struggled with it, but I decided in the end that this was the right thing, even though it was against Scripture, even though it was against God's will. The struggle, the suffering, and the sacrifice is not enough unless the result glorifies God. The result is worshipful to God. The result brings God glory. And when giving it comes to this, and again, the beauty of God, our Father who loves us, knows that we really struggle with this, but he really loves us in the midst of it, and he walks with us through it. Um, and so what we're going to give you an opportunity to do today is pledge, to make a pledge to God. And this pledge will be an opportunity for you to talk to, to begin to pray about, to write down as the Spirit leads you, a way for you to find freedom in this area of your life. A way for you to demonstrate, I want freedom in this area of my life. I want to be free from money. I don't want to be anxious anymore. And I know that some of you are in debt over your head. And you hear talk like this and you're like, what does that mean? 
Well, it means that you start working on getting out of debt. It means you, you begin the movement of pressing forward, moving into a life where you're free from that. And some of you, again, have been giving at 10% your whole life. And what does it look like for you? It means that you begin to look beyond that. To giving in a way that is worshipful and sacrificial and brings life to other people. It's a whole part of my talk I didn't get to that talks about sacrifice. That giving that glorifies and honors God is sacrificial. And it's nature because it's the kind of giving that God demonstrated with us that costs him something, his son. And so you take the booklet home and read it. But what we're going to do, there's pens and there are these pamphlets, these little things. And you can tear them off. And when you tear them off, this is what will happen. You'll tear it off and the booklet will fall apart, okay? And so make sure when you tear it off, the confetti doesn't fly everywhere in the room. Just know that when you tear it off, it, the booklet will disintegrate, okay? It was a design in the flaw, a flaw in the design. But anyway, so you'll tear it off, and we're going to give you about five minutes. The worship team's going to come forward now, and they're going to play music. But we would love for you to have an opportunity to pledge towards, give towards building God's kingdom in and through River City Church. Now, if you write a number down there, based on what you feel like the Holy Spirit's saying to you, and you get halfway through the year, and you haven't given, we're not coming after you. We are going to call you and talk to you and encourage you and walk with you through that. But don't be getting cray-cray on that number, okay? Don't be writing down a number that's just like, i got to win the lottery to make this happen. Because I'll hire like seven or eight people. And we'll, do ministry, we'll get ready for ministry big, and the money doesn't come in. And then we got to let those same people go. It's just not fun. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. But I'm just saying, we make decisions on what we feel like God's doing in the church based on what God's doing in your heart because you are the church. This is your church. These are your ministries. What we're doing is a result of your response in your giving. We are able to do what God's called us to do, what God is leading us to do based on your response and your giving. These are your ministries. We are your staff people leading you and building the kingdom of God in Jacksonville and in the world. So you're giving towards that, specifically for that. But the way, again, this happens is we want you to be led by the Spirit. We want the Spirit to speak to you about this. We want you to pray about it. We told you about it last week, and hopefully you have been. But we're going to create space for you to do that now as the worship team is come forward.